Old Testament lesson for today is from 2 Samuel. David again gathered all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000. David and all the people with him set out and went from Baal Judah to bring up from there the ark of God, which is called by the name of the Lord of hosts, who is enthroned on the cherubim. They carried the ark of God on a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, were driving the new cart with the ark of God. And Ahio went in front of the ark. David and all the house of Israel were dancing before the Lord with all their might, with songs and lyres and harps and tambourines and castanets and cymbals. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. And when those who bore the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, he sacrificed an ox and a fatling. David danced before the Lord with all his might. David was girded with a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. As the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael, daughter of Saul, looked out of the window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. They brought in the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And David offered burnt offerings and offerings of well-being before the Lord. When David had finished offering the burnt offerings and the offerings of well-being, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts and distributed food among all the people, the whole multitude of Israel, both men and women, to each a cake of bread, a portion of meat, and a cake of raisins. Then all the people went back to their homes. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I can say from experience that after you've danced before a crowd, you are happy for the moment when they go back to their homes. It's been 15 months since I got on stage in front of 100 screaming fans and 800 other people and danced. I'm almost ready to talk about it. If you were around last spring for some of that excitement, I was part of the, if you were not, I was part of the Dancing for the Future Stars event, and my partner and I received wonderful support from this congregation. We got loads of cheers. She was cheered for her expertise. I was cheered for my willingness. When word got around that I would be participating, I was surprised by how many people asked, are you a dancer? Is that something you do? Which I took to mean, are you any good at this? So I'd have to respond that I'm a dancer the way I'm a bowler. I spend about an hour a year doing that. I'm always glad to do it so long as no one is watching. Of course, everyone was watching, especially from the moment it was announced that I would be a celebrity dancer. At least I felt like everyone was watching. Every time Sally and I would get on the dance floor for our one to three song wedding reception quota, I felt like the floor was going to clear and the spotlight was going to come down and I would have to give interviews afterward and then there'd be reviews in the paper the next day. Naturally, people were not that interested. They usually aren't. When it came time for the actual event, the support was tremendous. I made it through our dance twice. 
And a good bit of money was raised for the school foundation. No one got hurt. I can still show my face in public. And I haven't been asked to give any dancing lessons. So it was a complete success. I thought about all of that when I read of David's dancing. My reason for dancing was good, to support the students in our area. His reason was better, to show his joy as the ark made its way into its new home. David had defeated the Jebusites and taken Jerusalem as the new capital of the new unified Israel. And as a sign that he meant for this new kingdom to honor God, he brought in the ark. The ark represented God's presence among them and filled David with joy as it was brought into its new home. It filled the people of Israel with joy as it was brought into its new home. Nearly everyone who witnessed the scene was filled with joy as the ark arrived. Nearly everyone. The exception was notable. David's wife was unimpressed. That's not nearly strong enough. David's wife, Michael, despised him for the spectacle and what it represented. She wasn't just David's wife. In fact, if you paid attention to the reading, you know that's not how she was identified in the story. She was identified as King Saul's daughter. It was a complicated situation. Saul and David, you might recall, had an exceptional father-in-law, son-in-law relationship. At least I hope it was exceptional. Saul tried to kill son-in-law David. And not just in one of those heat-of-the-moment events when David couldn't find his passport the day before Saul was taking them on an international trip and so he was all riled up. No, it was much more ongoing than that. What began as a close relationship where David gave Saul help through his difficult times dissolved into This relationship where Saul became paranoid about losing power and control and popularity to David. So much so that he led armies in pursuit of his son-in-law, of Michael's husband. So there's that dynamic going on in this relationship between David and Michael. She was often torn. She had helped her husband escape from her father. And yet, she also had the natural affection that would come from a princess toward her father. No doubt, Michael joined women throughout the ages in thinking, as David carried out his kingly duties, my daddy wouldn't have done it like that. Michael said as much after David came in from dancing, how his linen ephod didn't cover nearly enough as it should have for public dancing. And by the way, wasn't the whole event beneath the dignity of the office? You're a king, for God's sake. Which turned out to be David's defense. He wasn't just a king. He was seeking to be a king for God's sake. Of course, anyone who knows David's story knows that he failed plenty at that. We all do. But better to have the intention of doing something good for God's sake and coming up short than to never try. And that includes when someone is going to sneer from the upstairs window or the side of the dance floor or the cubicle across the hall or the house down the street. 
I don't know a single dancer who just woke up one day and then danced perfectly. I don't know any musician who got out of bed, picked up a new instrument for the first time and played it with precision. I don't know any golfer who has stood in the tee box with three sets of eyes or with 3,000 watching and shot every shot the way he wanted to. And I don't know any follower of Jesus who never gets out of step. I doubt they could get a single participant for the Dancing for Our Future Stars competition if the invitation was, do you want to climb on stage in front of 900 spectators and dance perfectly? Any reasonable person would respond, um, no, that's impossible. What that clever Mindy Taylor said instead was, would you do it for the kids? As I read about David dancing before the Lord, for the ark and the people of Israel and Michael's scornful stare, I thought he never pledged to be the perfect king of Israel. He accepted the Lord's call to be their shepherd. He had practiced for that. He had practiced by shepherding sheep. Now he would shepherd people. Not that much different. You provide for needs. You protect from attacks. You guide them. Sheep, people, whichever. David learned to shepherd from his father and from his brothers. A few tips, a few sheep, some trial and error. He learned about being king from Saul. Observation, conversation, trial and error. And now it was his turn. And David had to decide. Would he do this, even though it was certain he would make mistakes? Would he do it, even with Michael judging him for how he did it? Dare he dance publicly before he knew how to dance perfectly? Dare you? Dare we? Would you do it for the kids? Would you do it for God? It takes work and boldness. I say dare because I know it's brave to step out and do something publicly. Even if we're good at it, it's daring. People watch and judge and scorn. Sometimes, even more so when we're good at it. Some people seem to want others to fail. Dare we do it anyway? Dare we start something altogether new? My first day at Sakahatchee, I was a 16-year-old who had never stood on a roof with a three-tab shingle in my hands. But Scott Morgan joined me up there with a bundle and a hammer and he showed me how. And you wouldn't want me to replace your roof if you could afford to have someone come do it with straight lines. But if you were getting uh, rain inside your house and you needed somebody to come and help you out of a desperate situation, I could do that. It's one thing our kids are learning at Sakahatchee this week. 
that sometimes for God and for others you dare start even before you've perfected the steps. Because if you wait until you have the steps perfect, you'll never start. Our mission team will head off to Costa Rica this Saturday. They'll be asked to do things they've never done. They have never mixed concrete the way they will down there. If they're unwilling to accept the dare to do something new and unusual and difficult for God and others, they might as well not go. But if they're willing and they do it, then they'll be better at whatever it is they do down there. And they'll also be better at following Jesus when they get back here. Some have compared following Jesus to jazz. Unlike a classical piece that is memorized through endless hours of playing it as closely to how it was originally composed as possible, following Jesus is learning the heart of the piece so deeply that when the Spirit moves you to improvise, you can do so in a way that fully represents the piece you're coming from, but in a new way that fully engages the moment you're in. There is no way to do that perfectly. But there are many ways to do that faithfully. And every time you try, you get a little better at it. Will you try? Mission, music, shepherding, dancing. I don't know what your metaphor of choice is. But I do know this. There is too much at stake for us to protect ourselves from boldly stepping out for God by saying we'll wait until we are perfectly prepared to do so. People don't need to see perfection in us. They need to see authenticity and effort and joy. They need to see compassion and care and interest. They need to see a jazz riff on an old ancient song of loving God and loving neighbor. They need to see you dance for God's sake. Whatever dancing for God's sake means in your life. Dare you 